friends, welcome to a glorious day. Matthew Walt here for Hustle Like You Broke. We are recording on Thursday, January 21st. The sun is shining. The sky is blue. The virus has been eradicated. Not that one. Uh, oh! Is it we have orange? a new president. And best of all, Lil Wayne got a pardon. Let's hear it for Lil Wayne. Oh my God. He'll be avoiding jail time for now. And hopefully I'll get to see him again one day soon. He is one of my favorites. I have said that time and time again. Unfortunately, or fortunately, as the case may be, we are told that our incoming Biden did not inherit a vaccine distribution plan. Is anyone surprised by that? Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. At not. All. Are you, not did you at see? All. Did you see a plan? Did you see a new health care plan? Did you see any of the things that were stated that this man was going to do? The health care plan surprised? is two weeks away. Two weeks oh, away. Two That's weeks what away. I heard. Copy. Unfortunately, I also have to report it was officially ruled today that Glastonbury 2021 has been canceled, postponed, what have you. I feel like we saw that a couple of weeks ago. I feel like we even talked about that once before. But sign of things to come, not sure about that. I guess we will find out. Uh, anyway, Banks, Brother Banks. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for joining us again. We missed you last week. Missed you, you guys. You were at the inauguration. I was. I was. I was fortunate and blessed to be in the presence of that entire socially distanced experience and welcoming in our new leader, our new vice president. I'm excited that I was there. It was interesting. It was fun. Did you have a breakfast beverage? I didn't do not drink before shows. <laughs> so I did not have one before the show, but I had several after post show celebration. Yes, post show. There it is. Yeah. It must have been an exciting time post show. It was it was uh it was everybody kind of just had like a sigh of relief. You could feel like the weight was lifted. I mean, the day before with the rehearsals and even flying in, it was just like, everybody was so clenched. But as soon as it was over and everything was finished, everybody was like, hey, high five. Like Secret Service was like, come on in. Everybody was happy. You know, it was it was a literal shift. Were you and emotional? when you say high fives, you mean like Ebola elbow taps and what yeah, have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah, we were, actual. No, high no, fives. we weren't actually high fiving. I mean, you know, we could have. We clarify. were all in gloves and bundled up and masked and all that stuff. But so, do you have any brilliant stories to share with us about your experience? Uh, I mean, there there are a lot of things. I don't, you know, there's certain things I can't say, but there are a lot of things that I, you know, have to NDA in the uh, pocket there. But um, I can say that um, we almost had a, I don't know if it would have been an international incident, but we definitely 
almost ran over the parade as they were marching through the Capitol as our cars were leaving. And there was a slight disruption in their uh, marching. That was something that uh, I have to share with you that I caught on video <laughs> for a second. <laughs> it was there almost it an incident, but uh, okay. yeah, that was fun. Well, thank you for not causing an international incident. <laughs> we understand that Brother Hamilton might not actually have the level of security clearance to hear the rest of your story, so we will refrain. <laughs> but Brother Hamilton, I let's definitely talk have to the clearance, you next. Sir. Definitely have the clearance. <laughs> definitely. Brother Hamilton, we've missed you for the last two weeks now. Can you please confirm once and for all that you were not, in fact, in D.C. at any point in the last couple of weeks? Negative, I was not. For hearing through the little chatter that you had, um, let's see, insinuated that I was part of some insurrection, but... uh, that's disrespectful. I'm hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that is complete slander. <laughs> and you might be talking to my attorneys. <laughs> Copy oh. that. And there you see it, folks. Brother Hamilton might no longer be joining us on the Us Like You Broke program. <laughs> we thank you for your service and bid you adieu. Uh, Sister Dallas. Matter of fact, I'm out. (laughs) You know, yeah, I don't even know where to go. I'm just saying it's a new day in America. Thank you. And uh, wow, what a privilege. What an incredible privilege to watch such a beautiful transition and to finally see America great again. We now have the right people to get us on the right track and hopefully knock out this pandemic because all of us here like to get back to work. Yes. And uh, very much so. You know, it's time. Groundhog Day is upon us in not a good fashion. (laughs) And here in Miami today, we are out of vaccine. Thank you very much. So that's another beautiful thing to add to our happy story. And there you go. Well, we're going to focus on the happy today. And we are, of course, not a partisan uh, operation here ourselves, much like our guest today, who is very much nonpartisan. I do want to say that for the record. Before we bring her out, I do want to acknowledge, in, the, in, in, in terms of all that is great in the world, can everyone just please acknowledge that Amanda Gorman mm. is brilliant. She is amazing. She, of course, was the Poet Laureate at yesterday's inauguration last week for our listeners who will be hearing this for the first time on the 25th or 26th. Um, Banks, I I really hope that you approached her and were able to let her know that we would love to have her on the program. And as soon as she's ready to go on tour, we here are the team that can put that together for her. So, Amanda, if you're out there, if Banks did not clearly communicate, hit us up. Let us know. We got you. You're amazing. We love you. She's from Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. She went to Harvard, so there's connections all around. And uh, Banks, I mean, you had to say something, right? I I did speak to her. Her room was literally right next to her, and I conveyed Christine's 
adoration for you know how amazing she was i did i actually did have that conversation no lie i did talk yes I that's did. awesome because we totally talked about it ahead of time yeah, we did. i was like chris if you don't know her please look out for her please give her a freaking whatever you can for me she is amazing yeah. i was yeah. lucky to learn about her two years ago and man to see her in all her glory yesterday what a well-deserved human to get that she is so hardworking and Wow. But thank you, yeah. Chris. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I did. Of course. Total fan down. Of course. And you got her digits, right? You what exchanged she say information. I talked to her people. So, you know, we'll we'll uh, see what happens in the future. People. Yes. Her people. She has people. She, she has, has people. people. She Already has people. people, huh? She has people. Anywho, today's episode Conversation was actually. Conversation people. <laughs> Today's episode was surprisingly well timed. Let's 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 move on. Thank you very much. We actually lined up today's guest several weeks ago and we timed it specifically in coordination with the inauguration because we have been wanting to bring out a representative of the Headcount organization which people who sh- who go to shows will often see them in the in the concourse, you know, outside in the amphitheater, they're flyering, they're signing people up, they're registering people to vote. Headcount is a nonpartisan organization that uses the power of music to register voters and promote participation in democracy. I'm reading this from their website. We reach young people and music fans where they already are at concerts and online to inform and empower. They stage nonpartisan. I said before, we are nonpartisan. They are nonpartisan. They stage nonpartisan voter registration drives at more than a thousand live events each year and collaborate with cultural leaders to promote civic engagement on a national scale. Since 2004, they've signed up over a million voters, kudos, through their work with touring musicians like Ariana Grande, Dead and Company, and Beyonce. And events like Lollapalooza, Bonnaroo, Pride Festivals, and RuPaul's DragCon. Again, can't make this shit up. Reading off their website, I love the way they framed this. Lala, Bonnaroo, Pride, RuPaul. Love it. Meanwhile, still going, almost there. Their digital campaigns have won Clio and Shorty Awards, and their public service announcements have starred the likes of Jay-Z, Dave Matthews, members of the Grateful Dead, and Brockhampton, because the Dead and Brockhampton go side by side always, naturally. So without further ado, Christina Rains, their Major Gifts Director, here to join us today. We appreciate having you on the program. Thank you for being with us. How are you? I understand you're coming from beautiful Maui. I am. Thank you. I'm actually doing relatively well for being in Maui, honestly. And um, I can't thank you guys enough for having me, Um, especially with the intro of the inauguration, as well as the intro of how cool my job is. Well, clearly your job is very cool because you are having a relatively good day in Maui, which is like a very good day anywhere else. And 
Again, we we clearly, as we said up front, are a nonpartisan operation, just as we understand headcount to be nonpartisan. I want to get that out of the way clearly because I know that is important. Voting, registering people to vote, be it left-leaning, right-leaning, what's important is they participate in our democracy. And I mean that honestly and sincerely, regardless of what I might say about former dear leader and what have you. Um, and if you want to say anything to that before we really dive into you and your story, uh, certainly here is your opportunity. Well, I want to say first and foremost, Matt, that I'm a listener of the show. And so, yes, you can stress nonpartisan. <laughs> but I, I might <laughs> think that the show leans a little direction one way or the other from time to time. Um, and, you know, I, I get it. I get it. Like what I do for Headcount, um, I often have people express their political opinions to me. And certainly, um, no matter what side of the table that they're coming, with their opinion, I always just thank them for participating. And that's really what it's about, right? It's about participating in democracy. And so, you know, if a really conservative person wants to come up and tell me who they voted for, which is often, um, often what happens with really conservative people is they like me to know who they voted for. Um, I just thank them for participating. And then if somebody perhaps per a uh, liberal starts and engages a conversation with me, um, generally I don't hear what, who they voted for, but rather thanking us for doing what we're doing. Um, I think both sides of the table really believe in democracy. Um, whatever those beliefs may be on whatever side of the table they live. Um, but, but we understand that democracy is how we get things done in this country. And, um, you know, everybody has a say and everybody has a vote, no matter what that say is. Um, so I've appreciated uh, listening to your program since it started. Um, and I've also appreciated those opening segments. Uh, they're they're pretty great. Um, each of you are pretty great. Um, Kyle, I will protect myself <laughs> around you at a gun range. <laughs> or ask for... For maybe some some lessons, some lessons, some tips. Tips. <laughs> Interesting. Just a tip. I like how how mad. Yeah, I'm definitely talking to my attorney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have some conversations. Matt has messed up. I think you forget that all your closing statements ended with "shoot straight" <laughs> and, and don't mean, miss. Yeah, and I don't did miss. say that. Yes, but. You know, yeah, yeah, we we got some problems. We have to figure this out. You know I'm the first one to praise you on this podcast, too, though. I mean, let's be real. Moving on, I do know, before we dive in again, that Headcount was effectively started by a couple of, you might say, hippies. I mean, one is a longtime fish head going way back. The other, a founding member of the Disco Biscuits. But- I do know, and, and I actually was surprised to discover in the course of the last couple of years with all that's happening, you know, happened in the world and the strife between, you know, the, the Republicans, and the Democrats and what have you. I had a surprising number, small number, but surprising all the same, surprising number of 
of friends and social media, people that I've known for years, some that I worked with a long time ago when I was very much immersed in the jam band scene myself. Some of these people are more right leaning than I ever would have thought. So it is not correct to assume just because somebody happens to align with certain artists that they are not politically leaning to the right. So I think that's worth pointing out. I would, I'd also say that I have some personal experience with headcount myself. Uh, I believe it was 2012. uh, I produced a tour with hip hop artist, Jay Cole. And it was actually a college tour. It was a tour series I promoted called Campus Consciousness. And I was working in coordination with my partners from a company called Reverb, which I believe you know. And Headcount was with us on that tour doing a voter registration drive. So I, I mean, I've always been aware of, or not always, but for, for several years now, I've been aware of your efforts. I have seen those activations, the tabling, the conversation between the Headcount representatives and fans up close and uh and 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 i commend you and i commend the the organization for all that we that you do um and certainly when touring comes around again more actively in 2012 people forget we might have just brought a new 2022, excuse yeah. me. It's okay. We're all, it's all like, you know, the same day, blur day. It's okay. We were just trying to figure that out. <laughs> Yesterday was a palindrome. I get it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Yeah. The, I'm looking at my notes. The J. Cole tour I'm talking about was in 2012. Next oh. year will be mm. 2022. And people forget, though we just inaugurated a new president yesterday, the beginning of 2021, 2022 will be midterm elections. So it will again be crucial that organizations like Headcounts, Rock the Vote, if they're still out there, others be registering people to vote by engaging people in conversation and be, you know, speaking to the the next generation of voters um, who often go to concerts and getting them engaged in in the in that discourse because you know, the, the the Democrats might control all three chambers right now, but don't sleep. The Republicans will be fighting hard. They will be fighting effectively. They are, in my opinion, I've always said I might be left leaning myself, but the Republican Party is a much more organized political operation and uh, is what it is. So, Christina, let's 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 take it back to the beginning with you. I, I've spent some time reading through your bio. You, as I understand, were born and raised in Miami, Florida. You went to the New World School of the Arts. Uh, clearly, you are a creative type from a very early age, or so that would imply. And that does seem to be the one common thread throughout your your bio is creativity. Uh, would that be right? Uh, I think my mother would agree that I've been creative <laughs> since birth um, with how I handle most things in life. Um, you know, I, 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 it's funny when you said about the hippie, you know, that this, 
headcount was born in a hippie world. Um, my mom, you know, was raising kids during that whole hippie movement, but somehow one of these kids born in the seventies turned out to be, you know, more hippie, uh, than my mother was who actually lived through that era. Um, you know, I started out, um, in theater, uh, really, I mean, as a child, like I, I started in fifth grade, like chasing a theater dream. Um, I got a full scholarship to New World, which happened to be in Miami, which kind of sucked for me because I really despised Miami growing up and all I wanted to do was leave. And I did get into um, NYU's Tisch and I also got into SMU's um, theater program out in Dallas. And then New World put in the paper that they were going to have this new school. My mom read it. I auditioned and I ended up with a full scholarship there. Um, so my mom was like, hey, guess what? You're staying here. And um, I guess it was actually that, that piece, right, of always wanting to be on stage and that scholarship, which actually kind of taught me um, – so in order to have a, a full scholarship there, you kind of had to log a lot of tech hours. So even though I wanted to be an actress, I also had to do like this kind of payment back to the school. And um, that required me being like a stage manager or an assistant director or a production assistant, um, you know. And so I started doing that. You know, I mean, I was at school for sometimes 18 hours a day. And so I was both on stage and behind the stage and you know, I kind of realized that I really liked being in charge of things, right? About like the details of the presentation um, and just, you know, knowing every single detail. Um, that's That might be my OCD brain, um, but it also is just, uh, you know, being a, a BIC, which has a different... Uh, um, is an acronym for most well-known for a different thing, but I like to say a badass in charge. So, um, and that started pretty, pretty early, you know, probably started on the playground, blasting people around, but really it started when I was in college um, and had to kind of, you know, figure out how to do things um, on stage, but also behind stage. Um, and, and then I fell in love with music all at the same time. Well, I appreciate you referencing the behind the scenes work in theater, because I think a lot of young people may or may not realize that the best way to get that behind the scenes experience, whether you're still in high school or when you go into college, if you're not invo involved in your college programming organization, working in theater, you can get that technical experience. You can get involved in stage management, in set construction, in lighting, and audio, etc. So I think that that's worth note and uh, attention. I appreciate you bringing that up. So you're doing all this. You're also... You're also creating posters, we understand, for area jam bands. And you ultimately moved to Athens, Georgia, where you are, I'm not clear whether you are dating a musician or you're working with the management or both. Um, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> Her bias. Uh, she wrote this. I'm reading wow. off of what she wrote for us. Hey, it's had true. A better um, like, introduction for that. Wow. No, no. It's, it yeah. clearly yeah. says. That's very if modern. I reading, it's it would, very modern. If I was reading, it actually is more, it directly implies that she followed a musician to Athens, Georgia. 
I, I did. Um, I actually, <laughs> I actually created a poster with like actually a magic marker, but it was a cool one. Um, and I presented it to his band, maybe in a way to meet him too. Uh, and then I started doing a lot of grassroots promotion for that band while we were all still in Miami, like, you know, and, uh, you know, back then there was no internet. So, you know, it was all word of mouth. It was all posters and, and, um, tape and stapler, staple guns and whatnot. And, uh, ultimately, um, you know, I got involved, uh, that band actually went to new world or not new world school, the Archie university of Miami school of jazz program. So when they all graduated, they were from Athens, Georgia and touring. I mean, my Christine, you know, you're in Miami, but touring out of Miami for a young band is like next to impossible. It's like 10 hours just to get out of the state. And so for them, it made sense to go and move back to Athens, Georgia, which was a little more located in the Southeast in a way that they could really flood those Southeast markets. Their manager at the time also went to UM. And, you know, I don't even know what his name was Reese Barron. He's still a very dear friend and confidant of mine today. And while he stayed in the music industry for a long time, he has since left. Um, but he, he and I bonded immediately. And so whatever he needed, I did. So I may have been dating someone in the band, which is true, which is how I moved uh, up to Athens, but we, we broke up and, um, we, you know, the band, uh, decided that I should still stay and help. And so did Reese. And I'm super grateful. I learned so much being scrappy back then and like trying to figure it out. And they were kind of a Southern rock unit and, um, widespread panic was from Athens. And those were some of the heroes and just like to put out R.E.M. Uh, well, REM too. I mean, they grew up with so many bands. There was REM, B-52s was right outside of town. Um, you know, there were bands that were People coming forget, up at the though. same time. What's that? I was just sorry to interrupt you, but I just think it's really important to note for Athens, Georgia, that it is incredible <laughs> how many, you know, I mean, let's face it, for a tiny little town and a university town that so many artists have come out of there, it's quite phenomenal. Hmm. Well, no, Athens was I, kind of like like Austin, Texas, before Austin was exactly Austin. Austin, Athens. Yeah. I remember yeah. this from the eighties. It was REM. It was Indigo Girls, I think. Uh, B fifty twos, as you said. Panic, of course. There's a a major jo independent jo. agency <laughs> called Progressive Global that was located in Athens. Once upon a time, Buck Williams, who's a big, big agent, um, his operation was originally out of Athens. His son, whose name I'm blanking on, worked there for many years. They had a fantastic roster, which I want to say at some point maybe folded into Monterey, which became Paradigm or something like that. But for sure, Athens was a major major music mecca for such a small town at the time located, you know, middle of the state, what an hour and a half uh, from, from Atlanta or something. Um, I honestly don't even know, excuse me for that, but so you're working for this, uh, this, this company, you are doing posters, you are doing other marketing, you are writing reviews and previews for 
shows. Again, we speak for the hustlers, the working class heroes in this industry, which is why I wanted to kind of dive into this. And we don't need to dissect it, but you're writing and then you're a PA. You're working for AthFest and Music Midtown. All of us have been to Music Midtown. It is a massive festival that effectively takes over a good sized chunk of Atlanta. And you're sharing offices or office space with Madison House. And either Madison House or is it the company you're with? Was Madison House in Athens at the time? I'm confused because I remember yes. Madison House being in Boulder. They were. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, so Madison House was actually named after the street where our original, the original office was, which was Madison Street in Athens, Georgia. And um, Mike Luba and Nadia Pressure uh, were the original partners that started based out of Atlanta. And they had like a booking agency and um, they were just friends and they couldn't afford the office space. So like they asked uh, the band that I was working with, the management company. So Reese and I shared their office space. And then when Madison House decided, um, you know, they're they're biggest client, both booking and management at the time was string cheese incident. And they're based out of Boulder. Um, and they decided they were going to move. And I don't know if it was cause they just liked us or if, cause Mike, who is often been a visionary in this industry, like was like, Hey, you guys need to go West to book this band nationally. Or if it was that they couldn't afford the next office space. And so then they asked us to join them in Boulder, but either way, we kind of took that journey with them and, you know, they've been lifelong friends, Madison house of mine, um, you know, whether I didn't actually work permanently with them, but Reese ultimately moved on and worked with them. And I did a lot of freelance work with them um, and their bands uh, once I got to Boulder. But it was born in Athens. Um, and we did all kind of make this this journey out west. Go west, young men and women. So I kind of knew Madison House right around 2000 is when I came to knew that, know them when I started booking bands myself. At that point, they were already in Boulder. But I'm glad you mentioned Luba because Mike Luba was an active presence at the time who has since, I guess, left Madison House and is doing any number of other things. But at the time, it was Luba, it was Nadia, and, and a couple of others that I remember. And what... Mike did in particular with String Cheese, as you mentioned, with their ticketing, with their travel agency. I mean, the way he really built out those businesses to me is extremely impressive and speaks to, you know, the value that a grassroots operation can add to an independent artist, which is very much what they uh, what what they represented and and perhaps still do. Um, Nadia is a fantastic agent. I've since come to know Jake, who joined the agency uh, a few years later. Um, I'm, I I remember uh, Sound Tribe Sector Nine actually being the band out of Madison House that uh, that I aligned with. I worked with a couple of early electronic acts myself, and we did a bunch of stuff with STS Nine. So that's kind of where I knew them initially. But they have were a vision agent, visionary agency from way back. So so you're working with Madison House. 
You're doing select freelance work with them. You get involved with the Boulder Theater, with the Rocky Mountain Folk Fest, with Telluride, which is a world-class bluegrass festival that is much more than a bluegrass festival. You're running. You're a PA. You're doing ticketing, merch, hospitality, etc. Again, you're all over the map. And then you start working with Bill Graham and Chuck Morris. Wow. <laughs> So, so like, I just want to mention, though, you know, I think it's all about being at the right place at the right time where I'm concerned. Um, you know, it's it's funny when Christine, who I'm actually a friend of, had asked me if I wanted to be on the program. I was like, well, I'm I'm like the key of hustle, right? Like I've been, you know, even when you talked about my time in Athens, while I was doing all that stuff in Athens, I was also working at a health food store. And then I was managing a burrito shop and I was um, making juice. There was a one point in time where I had like five jobs because I was in my twenties and I could handle it, um, you know? And so that's kind of what happened when I got out to Boulder. I mean, very quickly after I got out to Boulder, the original band that I was working with, um, had a horrible accident and ended up breaking up. And I learned, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket because I really thought this was how my career would launch and I would be, you know, a, a badass in charge in the music industry, just like Nadia was with those bands uh, through Madison House. I mean, we sure, you know, they were they were heroes of mine and, and mentors even uh, at the same time being peers because they were really creating a lot for, for their unit. You know, they brought in other, um, other managers and partners. There's Jesse Arito, Kevin Morris, who was the, the lawyer of our band, um, which was another connection we had. Um, so, so when I started like working, I just was, I guess I keep using the word scrappy. I'm like, you know, I just be like, um, what you had mentioned about Luba creating a ticketing agency, you know, he was one of the first fighters, um, of, of Ticketmaster, like Eddie Vedder had brought that big uh, lawsuit up and, and Luba, and then they created their own ticketing agency. And it was with that ticketing agency that I learned a little bit about the box office and was invited to work at the box office with String Cheese specifically, um, but then also some of these other festivals that were local in that area. So I did a lot of work in the box office. That's actually what I did um, for Telluride Bluegrass. And some of that was paid and some of that was, hey, we're going to feed you today. And some of that was, here's a backstage pass and we'll feed you. Um, and some of that was, here's your day rate and it's only two digits. And some of that, you know, I mean, it was really, I was, I was take, saying yes to everything. And um, my time at the Boulder Theater was awesome uh, because I got to be in a venue. It felt like a, a theater to me, which was something that I was very familiar with being a theater major. Um, you know, I liked being in that crew, um, but I wanted more. And um, it was actually Luba's wife, who was not his wife at the time, that hooked me up with that job uh, at BGP. And uh, Chuck Morris, uh, it was like the Rocky Mountain division. And what's so crazy is I had I had just like, you know, I mean, I was a hit, I'm a hippie at heart. And I, I had read the Bill Graham present like book, the bio, biography. And to, to nail that job, I mean, like I, you know, I'm bright and shiny and still in my 20s and was so stoked to like work for this 
this, this guy, right. Who did it all like, like, and that's what I was trying to do. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't making the most money. I definitely was hustling. Like I was broke cause I was broke. And, but, but I'm now working under this header of this man who was the first one in the building and the last one out the building with a broom in his hand. And also like, you know, coordinated an entire movement of music in the sixties. And so like, at the time, and still, even, you know, when I think about that, those days, I'm so proud that I landed there. But while I landed there, I mean, it was just more hustling, right? Like I was girl, girl Friday, I was whatever they needed. I answered phones, I, I listened to music that got sent in to, you know, bands that wanted to play at the Fillmore that, that the, uh, the booking agents would never listen to, but it would like come through me. Like I, you know, I, I helped that's, you know, that's, a, that's probably another through line too. You know, I, I have this real sense of hospitality, which we haven't jumped over to that, but I help. And, and so wherever I could help was wherever I took jobs. And, um, so, so let's get to that. Let's get to that. So your career is you're hustling, but your career is about to start taking a turn. You're working for BGP, which again, Bill Graham presents along with Chuck Morris. Chuck Morris presents. You're doing shows at Red Rocks now. You're at Mile High Stadium. You're at the Fox Theater, etc. But before long, you actually leave the music industry, at least temporarily. You get into special events and you're working for a special events and decor company at the Four Seasons Hotel. You get into working with a premier catering company. And all of a sudden, you have A-list clients, you're winning awards, and you are doing work at the Super Bowl. And you are at Art Basel and you are doing wine and food festivals and you are in the Hamptons, not just the hippie. So the the hippie from Miami to Athens to, to Colorado is now summering in the Hamptons with people like Brother Banks doing these. (laughs) Had to bring you in there, Brother Banks. And you are doing these award-winning events you're involved with now you now you're involved with High Sierra Festival and other type major high profile events tell us about that transition because of course that transition is what ultimately leads you to a path where you are getting involved where in in the fundraising side which ultimately becomes your job fast forward a decade later at Headcount Yes. <laughs> wow. It all sounds so good when you say it, Matt. Because <laughs> he didn't live I, there, right? Um, yeah, totally. I'm going to keep this guy. I'm going to take him everywhere with me. You can just do now all my introductions. In <laughs> Matt can write your book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you see why I wanted to tell her her bio and walk through it together. Because it's not as simple as saying she's worked with this band, that band, and this band. And she's done, you know, PA to coordinator to production manager to whatever. We're talking about all these pivots that have kind of weaved this story that is basically it's like a Forrest Gump story where it's like all of a sudden you're at all of these major events in American history you know whether intentionally There's or incidentally Christina. it just kind of and and all of a sudden she meets Christine Dallas <laughs> I Do feel you know, there's probably some point in life where you probably 
encountered all of us in some form or <laughs> another. We didn't know it. Uh, it's it's highly probable. And it's it's cute that you say that about the Forrest Gump because there has you know, I like I like to talk story, as they say out here in Hawaii. And there there have been moments in my life where I'm like, oh my God, Jesus Christ, how is this happening? You know, I'm like and like uh, David Boreans from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is like asking me if I want a drink. And I'm like, how did I get here? You know, like, and it's in a totally random situation. And I have a lot of those stories. And, and, and it is kind of still about being scrappy, right? Like I, the whole time, you know, that creative piece uh, that just belongs to me inherently, like I was throwing parties back when I was in Athens and back when I was in Boulder for myself. And um, the transition actually came, you know, be, like even though I had landed that gig with VGP CMP and like was you know, super grateful to have it. There was a lot of changes happening at that time. Like they very quickly got um, uh, taken over by SFX and then SFX got taken over by Clear Channel. And I was still like making money with like backstage passes at Folsom Stadium to Dave Matthews is like your bonus. And I just, I was over it. And it was, um, I started doing things more creatively, which ultimately, you know, uh, I was throwing my own parties and, um, it was a, it was a manager. One of the partners at Madison house was getting married and they asked me to do their wedding. And that kind of made me nervous because <laughs> I hadn't done a wedding at that point. I was just throwing like cool parties and like making them cool. And, um, that wedding, uh, ended up in Colorado, my modern brides magazine. Um, by no means of mine, that was his promoter wife got her wedding in Colorado Modern Brides, but they talked about some details that I had created. And then, um, then one of the ideas ended up in Modern Brides magazine for top 100. So this is like my first wedding out the gate. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to do this. Right. And so when I was thinking about special events, and hand my what was my fledgling career in the music industry? Well, I just wasn't I wasn't growing. But people who women who were growing, women in, were growing in special events, right? And special events were a lot like concerts. I mean, they have all the details. You know, it is a huge production. I am creating one perfect night. And when I looked at the country, you know, it was like New York, LA, Miami. Those are the places where those big special events were happening. And I chose the less of three evils, which is Miami, because I'm from there. And it made my mother super happy that I chose Miami. And, you know, I did end up uh, that that first events company that I worked for was called Always Flowers and Events. And they had the exclusive at the Four Seasons. And so a lot of those hotel moments that I had were through that company. Um, it was a lot fast, a huge learning curve. And I got really good at like making things beautiful, right? Like the, I got to like flex my creative muscle a lot on, in that one particular job. And when this events company, um, another, it was actually just a premier caterer, uh, called Joy Wallace and events. I'm not, I, it's unclear to me if they survived, uh, the pandemic actually, but they were 30, you know, 30 years in the industry before the pandemic. And much like a lot of what's going on, you know, in the music industry, same thing happened to, you know, special events, first one out, right. Nobody had any parties. And so I'm not really clear where they are at, but I actually, that was 
the last real gig I had before the pandemic myself is I freelanced back with them on my third Super Bowl with them. So, um, and Super Bowl. I like events. the Hennessy party. I like the Hennessy thing you were part of. Yes, that was good. Just That's because you got a special it. invite, girl. I know. <laughs> um, yep. it, was, it, was a, it was a Hennessy tasting for those of you who don't know. And if you ever get a chance, is jump on it because it's delicious. <laughs> Oh. All right, so let's get the story back on track. So, so you're now doing special events in decor. You're in Miami. You're splitting your time in the Hamptons. You're rubbing elbows with God knows who. And then you move back to Colorado. You become the creative director of hospitality at Sports Authority Field, as well as the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. So you you couldn't help yourself. You had to be near the music. Um but from there, you then go on to Eugene, Oregon, and you're doing interior design and marketing and event management and styling and organizing. And again, I'm, I'm hearing this, seeing this common thread of creativity. Obviously, you're, you're also a talker. You're somebody who knows how to kind of, you're not just a hustler in that you work hard, but you know how to talk yourself into these situations. You're very good with people, which I would assume is why Headcount identified you, or maybe you reached out to them and said, okay, this is a woman who works hard, knows how to talk, is a hippie at heart. We're going to bring her on board to fundraise on a dead and company tour. Yeah, it kind of happened like that. You know, I think I think what I can offer is about that actual connection. You know, when I I did decide ultimately to leave special events just because of the time that it took from my life. Like I just didn't have much of a social life and I continued to freelance all over the map. Like you said, you know, using all of my skill sets that I had developed over the years to just find money, you know, to 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 make it happen. And when I was in Eugene, um, I did get a residency at a, a venue and started doing backstage hospitality for two venues there for the Kesey family. And it, it just, it still was part-time work. I mean, there wasn't, you know, it wasn't shows back to back to back. And so I continued to freelance and then social media, God bless social media. Um, I don't know why Headcount, or it was actually Andy Bernstein, who is the founder and executive director of Headcount. I don't know why he would advertise on Facebook that he was looking for a partnership because it just or for a, for an auctioneer to go on tour with Dead Co. Um, but he did, and he very quickly took it down because he got an onslaught of um, of responses. But uh, it was. It was just kind of, again, one of those circumstances where I found myself, uh, a friend had read it, sent it to me because I'm ultimately a deadhead and was like, this job is perfect for you. And I was booking a lot of freelance work and this was another contract piece. And I reached out to him through Facebook. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys know, but you know that on Facebook, like there's an other folder. So like if you're not friends with somebody and you write them a message on Facebook, it goes into this like obscure folder called other messages. And a lot of people don't know about this other messages like file. So I had responded to his ad like, I mean, post haste, like, I mean, it was so fast. Like I got sent that probably within an hour. I had written him a long email about why I was the perfect person for this job that was literally a, a paragraph 
blurb on Facebook. And then I realized that I was stuck in this other file. And how did I get out of the other file? And so I reached out to one of my contacts. I actually reached out to about five contacts. I looked at his, you know, and I, and the reason why I'm telling this story is because if I could say anything to young people who are like really trying to up and come is like, you never know where your next opportunity is coming from. Right. And you also never know who's going to help you get there. You know, so so it's up to you to do that investigative work. And in that moment, I mean, I was crushing it to like get to this this silly little email I wrote to get it out of this other folder. I'm like cross-referencing our friends that we have and, you know, trying to see who knows him that I know. And ultimately, I did have a friend in the industry. Uh, she reached out to him. I got out of the other folder. I somehow magically got an interview. And as Andy likes to tell the story, um, he threw me on the spot. He also threw about seven other applicants or so on the spot uh, in front of the entire touring crew from Dead & Co., uh, that was a part and affiliated with the nonprofit sector um, and headcount. And um, as he likes to say, I aced it and <laughs> was leagues above. So that's how it, it all happened. It was like purely by connection, um, by like, you know, looking for further connections so that I could get to him and then using my gift of gab to say that I could do something that I had never done before. I had never been a fundraiser. You know, I, I mean, I didn't, I went to bed at night as a little girl thinking I would be an actress. I didn't think I would be a fundraiser. And now I'm a fundraiser. And, um, you know, a lot of my time spent in special events was doing huge, large galas for other nonprofits to fundraise. So I was familiar with the idea, but I was not, I, it, necessar it never was necessarily like my role uh, in any of those events. I just watched it go down and now it's my role. And, you know, quite frankly, I've made a little bit of money and I've made a lot of money in my career, but what I'm doing now is, is probably the richest I've ever felt, um, in, in how I get paid and in, in, you know, I mean, I, so what I do with headcount is I run auction on tour is I run an auction table and I do it in VIP, uh, which is set up by CID and um, consider it Dan Entertainment. So they do these like VIP uh, sectors uh, where they sell all these high end tickets. My job starts very early on tour because those fans get this huge lush lounge. Uh, you know, so, so they can come into the parking lot. Grateful Dead is well known for their shakedown street. So you can go hang out in the parking lot and buy goods and wares from all the fans. Or if you are a VIP ticket purchaser, you can go into this really lush like tent often during the summer. It's the only place that has bathrooms and AC and you can get cocktails and you can talk to me and uh, I will auction off some guitars um, and you know, I'll talk about headcount. A lot of times, um, I don't even talk about headcount. That's not how I make a, a relationship with a new donor. Uh, a lot of times I talk about them. Uh, I ask questions. Uh, I listen to answers. I find out what's important to them. And I see how it aligns um, with what I'm, uh, you know, whatever the pitch is that I'm going to give about headcount. Um, but this you know, during a Trump presidency, which is when I started my role with Headcount um, in 2018, I would have to say that a lot of people 
really were taking charge of their own political um, kind of participation, uh, their participation in that. So I didn't often like I think I started we talked about that story earlier that like a conservative would tell me who they voted for and a liberal would tell me, you know, thank you for what you're doing. And so a lot of those conversations that I have behind the auction table um, really uh, I don't know about the the auctioneers before me, but I know during my time now with Headcount, people were charged, you know, to, to, to donate, like they were charged to become a part of what we were doing and really believe in our dedication to um, educating the young vote. Um, and so being on this other, this receiving end, um, you know, it, like, it's almost like I'm a conduit of, 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 of generosity, you know, cause like, the, the funds that I'm raising on this other end of the table sometimes blow me away. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, like, uh, so you want to basically give me the amount that would, you know, buy me a car that I don't have right now. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> like, you know, right. and, and it really is, it's a lovely space to be in. I, I don't know, honestly, like, you know, we, we talked about this whole way I weaved my way here, but sometimes I'm just like, I have no idea how I got here. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so let's pause for a second and let's clean a couple things up. First of all, I think it's always important to point out to our young listeners that we've always said you can do anything at all and have a career in the concert touring industry. And I think, Christina, you're another person who is a perfect example of, you didn't get in specifically as a musician, as an agent, as a manager, as a promoter. You were just a hustler who did any number of things. And, you know, be it, again, hospitality and decor and now fundraising and all of that. So, Kudos on all that. Second, I want to say CID Entertainment for people who don't know. CID is a company from early on. Uh, and the founder of CID was in what was the band based in Chicago, also a jam band. Um, what are their name? Jam Tech Support, if you're listening. What is the name of the band I'm talking about? They are a jam band from Chicago. I believe it is two words and it is uh, totally escaping me. Um, but they were very cool for a number of years. Um, but CID did VIP experientials, as you said, and that would include it would include travel, like flights, hotels, ground transportation to and from the shows. They did this for a lot of the major festivals as well as a handful of tours. And they would, uh, as you say, they would host these VIP areas that would become, you know, special opportunities. So you could go to any show that they were part of. They worked with Dave Matthews. They worked with The Dead, obviously, um, with a number of artists where, Again, if you wanted an all-in-one vacation package, you wanted to enjoy a show, they would take care of all of it. They would give you that space at the show. That was your own special VIP experience. Sometimes it included a meet and greet. Sometimes it included, you know, swag, merch, T-shirts, posters, etc. That's what CID did. So you're working for C for. Headcount, but it's in coordination with Dead and Company and CID at the time. My follow-up question: So you're working on donations, but 
Are there also people there specifically involved in just registering people to vote and moving out of and away from the VIP experiential for for others that are involved in headcount and in a more traditional touring capacity? What is it that the touring personnel with headcount are doing? So out on, on Dead & Co. Company uh, tour specifically, there are three headcount members uh, that go out on tour. We kind of have our lead um, who uh, works, and, and we do this in, in coordination with Reverb. So, so what we create on Dead & Company tour, because Bob Weir's on our board of directors, Matt Bush, his manager, is also on our board of directors, we've been given this home to create something called Participation Row. And so Participation Row is set up out on the concourse. We actually host the auction there as well. And our lead from Headcount, uh, who kind of manages a lot of the details on tour for our end, uh, he will run that auction. I relieve him. I'll go run that auction. So I do make it out to Gen Pop every once in a while um, for auctioning. But what they do up there is extremely important because that's the reach out to the fans. Um, I think when, you know, your interview with Adam from Reverb, he talked about the eco village. You're probably familiar with that, Matt. Um, but we do the same thing and, and it is called participation rounds. And it's, we host uh, Dead & Co. family nonprofits, depending on the city that we're in. A different nonprofit will sit with us. Um, that's part of who I'm raising money for. When I raise money on, on DNC tour, I am raising money for for headcount, for reverb, and for the Dead & Co. family nonprofits. Um, so everything that we take in from the tour uh, will be divided amongst, and that's about a dozen nonprofits, really. Um, and then depending on where we are, we host them. So they all have to take activations, the fans, the, the public, uh, as they come in. And they want to. Um, oftentimes, we'll give them something really fun that they want that's a memento. Like, usually it's a pin uh, that's related to the tour. And so they, they to either sign up to register to vote, which is taking one action, or they can reach out uh, to their local congressman to talk about voter suppression in their area. Um, these are all things that are developed long before the tour starts, um, these activations, and then we give them a passport card. Um, that team up there is slammed. Reverb is like chucking bottles like for, you know, $20 a pop so that, you know, um, you know, all their good work that they do and trying to keep a tour sustainable. Uh, the water bottle program through them is happening. Um, I don't know if you get a stamp for buying a water bottle. You might. You probably do. Um, but you get these stamps and then you get a pin in exchange for the stamp. Um, oftentimes we'll collect... Uh, Donations up at that table, just straight donations. People, you know, are like when they find out about the auction and they can't participate at that league, sometimes they'll be like, I just want to give you 20 bucks. And certainly we're grateful for that, too. Um, but there's a lot of conversation happening up there. The model that was created way back when by Andy is... Um, you know, I mean, we have 40,000 volunteers nationwide. That, that's how big our database is. Um, right now, uh, not so many are participating because we don't have the concerts to put them at. But the, the, the way it works is they come out, they help us with their own passions for participation and democracy. They work before the show. They work during, um, dur during set break. 
and then they get to leave for second set and enjoy the show. And so that's kind of what a volunteer is getting, right? And um, so they get all this interaction. It's super fun. It's like what you just said, Matt, about talking to your young listeners. Headcount is another fantastic way to participate. If you have a passion or a drive, um, it's going to get you into the show. It's going to get you to meet some people that are, are, you know, like you said, are in the industry, but got got there by an unconventional turn. And um, I really think that that's kind of, you know, that's definitely been the other through line through my life is like how I ended up here has been very unconventional. It's not, you know, your typical story. I didn't fall in love with audio or lighting or, you know, um, I might have fallen in love with hospitality because I do love to throw a good party and take care of people and make a beautiful room. Um, but, But I didn't know that when I first started. And so, so volunteering is super important. It's how we roll, you know, it's, it's how we get things done. And, you know, we make civic participation fun and easy for the person on the receiving end, for the patron, for the person that's spending their time in participation row. I mean, ultimately, you know, when music returns and moving forward, um, you know, I think we would like to see more of that participation row set up with other bands like, you know, um, and certainly uh, bands that are, you know, appealing to a, a younger, more diverse crowd because the Generation Z is 45% non-white, right? So um, I, I, I mean, I don't think anybody here uh, would think that the Grateful Dead crowd is either Gen Z or 45% non-white because they aren't necessarily. So we are looking for some diversity uh, to really reach out and teach these kids about civic participation. I don't know what that looks like coming up. Um, I certainly know that our teams in our home office are, you know, this exercise that we've taken while we haven't had people on the road. You know, we've always had an online presence, but... um, We've really pushed forward this last year with trying to connect with a more diverse crowd, um, having artists approach us that come with their own diverse base and really trying to teach the young voter about how important it is for their participation. So that happens on Participation Row at Denco. It happens with our online initiatives. Um, it happens with other tours that have invited us on. And certainly we hope to create more opportunity for that to happen for us in the future. Because, you know, there are a lot of really wonderful nonprofits in so many different sectors um, that could also use the help. And Headcount has been doing this for 16 years. I mean, at this point, uh, Andy has created a model that is that is expert at field organizing. You know, I mean, we know how to do it. Uh, we blend in well with the music scene because that's where we were born. Um, we have touring professionals um, who who get it done, <laughs> um, and uh, it's really just it's it's been a joy to to be a part of this and to also you know come on board now in a more full time role with them. Um, it'll be a joy to watch what happens uh, over the course of the next four years into the next election. I mean, I think you brought up certainly you know, right now, like things don't stop because there was a presidential election. You know, there is a, there is a, this year, mayor, mayoral 
uh, elections, right? And and then in two years, you know, you have your Congress and Senate elections. Um, there's there's so much that kids don't learn because civics classes barely exist in public schools anymore. You know, like I, when I was in high school, I was registered to vote because I turned 18 before I graduated. And that doesn't happen anymore. Um, through the power of a volunteer, we learned that when someone becomes a citizen in the United States, they aren't registered to vote, which I think is crazy. It should kind of be like, here's your welcome packet. Here's your plastic flag. Here's your registration card. Here's your citizen card. Get out there and do your you know, civic duty. Um, but it isn't. And it was a volunteer who figured that out during this election season. They went and they set up a table and they registered like, I think it was like 600 voters from one, you know, in New York from one um, citizenship ceremony. So, so, you know, volunteers is certainly how we create. It's how we reach out. Um, our, you know, when you become really good at being a volunteer at headcount and you're, you're noticeably doing leagues above others, uh, you become a team leader. And then there's some, some more incentive to be a team leader. There's been team leaders that have made it out on tours. Um, there have been team leaders that run their regions. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a really exciting model to be a fan and a fan of democracy. And I think that so many of the people that get involved with us, whether they're young, they're old, that's the common thread, right? Is that they're a music fan and a, and a democratic like process fan. So, uh, or a democracy fan, excuse me. Question for our listeners who do want to get involved. How do they get to someone like you or help work at the, you know, obviously not pertaining to now, but when the shows come back, um, if they just want to reach out to their local venue um, to get something done, how could they go about that? Or So the first thing they would want to do is they would want to contact he- uh, us at headcount.org. Um, there is a whole entire volunteer section. Uh, once you fill out your application to be a volunteer, um, we have an internet system. And so they can actually log into their state or their city. And if they're like me and kind of nomadic, they can log into several cities and see cool. what's available um, venue wise. I know that it is a lot of people like in cities, it might be harder to get in as a volunteer because there are so many people applying to be volunteers. You know, so in the major cities, that could be a little harder. Um, than in some smaller towns. Uh, But rule of thumb is we always try to take in someone new for every show um, so that they get a taste of the experience and so that we also get to learn a little more about them. So that can all be found right on headcount.org. Okay. Let me jump in, please. Um, One thing I want to clarify from before. So CID Entertainment was actually founded by a gentleman named Dan Berkowitz, who was not involved with a band from Chicago, the name of which I still can't remember. He was involved with, drumroll please, the Disco Biscuits, who were involved in founding Headcount by way of two different members of the organization. So a lot of commonality there. Kudos to Bisco, as they were known once upon a time, to their fans. Um, And 
you, you just finally alluded to something that I really wanted to get to. We understand that you're signing up people on the road. We understand about the fundraising efforts that you are done. I'm curious, and this is not my question, so really just yes or no. You did say that your, your, your activations are typically set up in coordination with Reverb. Are they always done with Reverb, or is that just a sometimes thing? No. Okay. Um, no. <laughs> It, we but do share. A, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. You can answer, but I, I don't want to get sidetracked too far. That's it. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I just. I mean, you know, Reverb is is a, a partnered nonprofit with us, and we do share share a space with them in a couple of places. Specifically, Dead and Company yeah. is one of them. Okay, and that's and and I love Reverb again. I partnered with them. They I produced and promoted 15 some tours with them years ago, one of which involved headcount. So love Adam, love Lauren, all Lara, Tanner, all we those people. They're, they're fantastic. <laughs> um, but, but I was, that was just a curiosity, a point of clarification. The question that I wanted to get to, and it, I, I alluded to this when I read off your bio in the beginning, and this is, and I'm so glad that you brought it up. It, I get, and everyone understands that the natural place for where an organization that has kind of hippie jam band roots are working with the dead and they're working with Dave Matthews and they're working with the jam band scene and what are in many cases heritage acts, but the majority of their fans are already registered to vote. So now you guys are trying to attract the attention of younger people. Now, when I was working with Reverb, it, that was, it was the same mission. And I kind of brought in a number of hip hop artists, which I was working with or, or trying to work with at the time. And that was kind of what I was doing with them. You're doing a similar thing. You're now working with, and I said it, your bio reads that you're working with the likes of Ariana Grande, Dead and Company, and Beyonce. You're talking about public service announcements starting the likes of Jay-Z, Dave Matthews, The Dead, and Brockhampton. It's not a coincidence that you're bookending the Heritage Acts in those descriptions with young people like Ariana Grande and Beyonce and Jay and Brockhampton, because that's where the next generation of voters are. Those are the shows the next generation of voters are going to. So now Headcount's mission is registering young people, getting them engaged in the process. You did say this earlier, but tell us, how are you getting, we, we understand what you're doing to get the young people to register at the shows. How are you getting the artists involved? Well, you know, uh, it's funny because you say the next generation, and that was actually uh, the name of the campaign with Ariana Grande, which was Thank You Next Gen. So, boom, way to go, Matt, on tying it all together. <laughs> um, and Ariana, I mean, that tour uh, registered the most voters uh Wow. Uh, I think it was like over 30,000 voters. And, um, you know, I didn't I I I I hope it was over 30,000 voters. I do know that Ariana's tour registered the most voters that we've ever registered within one tour. Um, and then Ariana went out on a second tour and asked us back. And, you know, it's it's artists like Ariana. We're also on the road with Billie Eilish. Um, you know, Billie turned uh, 18 and was a first time voter 
this year. Um, but they they have their own passions, right? There's there's so you know there's so much that that the youth like you know we had this this year has been crazy, right? Like it has been crazy. Like everybody had a job in our industries, then everybody didn't have a job. And, you know, music was happening. Now music isn't happening. That's our model is we do this at shows, you know? And so it's like, while, while we started leaning heavy into our online presence, I think what happened more than ever is some of our bands out there, our artists, our young artists started leaning heavy into their online presence, right? Because, they aren't out there doing their thing. So now what they're doing is the same as everybody else. They're on social media over and over They're, You know, like they may have had a handler handling their social media before this because they were so busy, but many of them are handling their social media on their own. I mean, Ariana was like posting her own things about how close she was to being the most registered voters ever, you know, and was like, like, you know, we're almost there, you know, really like plugging that, um, you know, Billy has done some spots where she talked about being a first time voter and really encouraging her van, her fans to also follow her path. I mean, and at these, you know, there are, I think it's, oh gosh, I hate misquoting. Um, you know, we have people who work at Headcount that are so much brighter than me and handled like Tap and Vickery is her name and she handles voter engagement and she knows all these details like the back of her hand. So does Andy. But I think it's like 26 states that you can register before you even turn 18. And that was happening at their, their shows. So they would register and then on their 18th birthday, boom, they get a card, right? So like they're already in the system and you can begin to do that, I believe, at 16 and up in certain states. So, so these, these things were being encouraged by these young bands. Um, you know, uh, when, I, when I brought up like how do we get them more involved? Well, some of them did just naturally get more involved. Um, because of the time that we're in, because we were, this all happened in an election year, um, because people wanted to jump on board on their own participation, right? These artists, um, we have a a wonderful girl, um, Molly Farrell, who handles all of our artist relations. And, you know, from what I understand, I mean, she was so slammed at certain points because of how many people were contacting us wanting to get involved. Um, and certainly we hope that that continues. And, and again, like I said, you know, the, the face of America is changing. You know, I know um, when civil unrest started happening in the streets, the Black Lives Matters movement, um, that's actually when we began to, to field organize again. I mean, certainly we did it with all of the COVID precautions. You know, our teams went out and were as safe as they could be and had, you know, we created just like everybody else, the, the, the once dead QRCs, codes, those codes, like we created one for voting so that people could literally click on it and scan it on their phone and then register at some of these movements. And for me in that time frame, and I think many of us felt that way, there were young leaders being born in the streets, you know, during that, that movement. And, and I'm seeing that with some of our younger bands, you know, I mean, Molly is so much more well-versed about these artists, but like there were so many artists that I'm like, who, what? I mean, I was showing my age left and right with like some of these bands that were really helping and supporting us. Um, so I, I super hope that continues. I mean, certainly we're looking for opportunities in that, um, in joining more tours, in speaking 
to artists uh, that's fan base looks more like America, right? Like more like the face of America that is growing up. And again, that's, you know, that is typically a more diverse crowd. You know, I think, Matt, when you talked about it in the beginning in our bio, and you even talked about the Pride Festivals and RuPaul DragCon, I mean, uh, you know, the the communities out there are no longer in hiding as far as, you know, the lesbian, gay communities, transgender, whatnot. They're they're out there, right? And their voters and their issues matter. Um, Black Lives Matter, the young or matter, the young um young fans of music, these issues matter to them. And I guess I, I want to express that again um, to any of your young listeners that are, you know, maybe interested, but also maybe don't even know themselves enough about their participation in democracy. We just had a major election, right? But I've always viewed the presidential election as a figurehead election, right? Like he he's in charge for sure. But what is affecting your neighborhood is happening at your level. And so it's those two year elections that are really making the difference. Um, you know, what's happening in your actual neighborhood. So if you want to see that change, if you're a part of that movement, if, if you want to make sure that your voting rights are protected, like that all comes down to these, these elections in between uh, the presidential election, which obviously gets a lot more um, press um, and by design sometimes. I mean, that is part of the suppression of democracy right there is like, you know, we don't talk about these like smaller elections because they're the ones that make the laws. And so by design, they almost don't want the public to know. Right. You know, because because the less people that participate, it, it's the people who vote are the people who they want to vote. You know, and exactly. the truth is yep. that every single person's vote matters. So, so I, well, mean, it's I can't like express you said that before, enough. Wonder, I wonder why immigrants aren't, uh, you know, given the right to vote automatically when they uh, become citizens, uh, because we set up the system so that it's only the people who the system wants to be voting mm -hmm. uh, who who have it easy. So, I mean, again, another perfect example, just what you said. So let me ask one other thing so we understand. We understand how artists can get involved. We understand that you have a touring model. We understand you're doing festivals. If an independent uh, event promoter or producer or planner wanted to engage Headcount, it, can they just contact you? Will you send out a crew to a local, you know, regional event or something of that nature? Is there a certain criteria you have to meet in order to be of interest to headcount? 100%. Um, we, you know, I think that also happened for us this year. You know, we started partnering outside of the music industry. Uh, one of our, our biggest campaigns, um, that ever happened actually happened with David Dobrik, who I don't know if you guys are familiar, but he's a YouTube star and David Dobrik, uh, he 
promoted voter registration and he gave away five Teslas to anybody who registered. And we registered over 100,000 people with that campaign. You know, um, it pushed us over the edge. And this is not this is somebody who did contact us. This was an arrangement that we made with somebody outside of the music industry, uh, corporate partners. You know, I mean, we we had Diddy's camp call from Ciroc. They wanted to be a part of this. Uh, we had we had HubSpot or, um, excuse me, uh, Grubhub and um, Spotify, both, you know, working campaigns with them while Spotify has music uh, connection. Hubs, uh, Grubhub certainly doesn't, uh, you know, it's feeding people and they were a part of this. I mean, certainly we work with corporate partners. We can work with event planners. We want to do some more community organization um, to underserved communities specifically communities that aren't given, you know, aren't given all the facts about how important their vote is. And also, Mm -hmm. you know, I think what happens a lot in these suppressions of voter rolls too, is like these lists get purged, right? And so you have like all your grandmas and your aunties and whatever that think they've been registered to vote forever. And then they show up on the day and it's a really hard day. They've got to wait in line. And, you know, some of them, maybe, maybe this is like their first outing in weeks. And then they get up there and they're like, sorry, ma'am, you're not registered to vote, but they don't have access to the internet. They don't know these things. And so that's, that's kind of like where the messaging and the, and the teaching is involved with the younger youth. So they can hang out with grandma and auntie and grandpa and whatever, and be like, let's, let's make sure you're registered, you know, and that stuff can be checked on our website. You can check your registration direct on our website um, and make sure that you, you are still in the system that you haven't been purged from the system. So yes, anyone want to call us, give us a call. It's right there on the website. Uh, We'll take calls. We entertain ideas. Uh, You know, um, certainly uh, there was a lot taught to us about how to field organize within the music industry. But this model now can extend to whatever come what may that makes sense for us, right? To reach the, a larger audience. Um, and, you know, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that, you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta step out of what you thought was to do what's next, you know? So I have just one more question for an artist or an organization that wants to bring you out on the road for, for something. How are you funded? Are they paying you to come along? Are you generating sponsorship revenue to underwrite your own participation? Is that something that comes by way of your major gifts division? How does that happen? It's certainly not something that in my role that I uh, negotiate, but it is it is something that sometimes pays for itself. Like there are other ways that we raise money 100 um, percent. Sometimes like currently right now with Reverb and Dead & Co, we have an Omaze uh, raffle. Um, so there's like Omaze and Charity Buzz and Prizio and all these online ways to raise money. And our Omaze raffle is Bob Weir declaring that we're going back out on tour someday and you could possibly win uh, tickets to the entire tour VIP style for your donation. And it's been extremely successful. So that would be one way like these, these funds that go back into the system could, 
put us back out on the road. There are other ways too that we raise money in the sense that um, some bands will do like a dollar surcharge on the ticket and that money will pay direct into our participation on that tour um, and how we help. Some bands will... um, We'll do a a dedicated merch item where a part of the money that is paid for with that merchandise will go back into the system. So while we still have to budget around our travels on tour, um, there are ways that are negotiated that that may be actually beyond me or this conversation that I can participate in. Um, But I do know that there are other ways that we've raised money. I mean, even, even in this downtime during 2020, the live streams that have come out of this through the music industry is another way that we've been able to to raise money. There's many bands that have dedicated their live stream uh, to a fundraiser for us. So, you know, budgeting and whatnot, I, I will leave those conversations to somebody else. But I do know that that there has been some underwriting. Yes, there have even been corporate sponsors like um we went in a, this was before my time, but I, I do know that we, because I'm a huge fish fan, it's actually how I met Miss Dallas, um, but we went in a chaser van situation with Ben and Jerry's on fish tour. And so we did all of our activations and Ben and Jerry's like, you know, we chased the whole tour and we set up and Ben and Jerry's served fish food and, you know, uh, head count registered people to vote. Hmm. Well, Christina, that is fantastic. You've been a tremendous guest and we've taken a good deal of your time already. Before we let you go, we always have a series of what we call quick hits that we ask of everyone. So briefly, if you could tell us your first touring experience, if that wasn't the dead, which you already referenced, was it the dead? Was it one of the younger bands in your prior life in Athens? What was your first tour? Uh, <laughs> it feels like a three-parter question for me sometimes because there's the first tour I ever paid for out of my pocket to go on as a fan. And that would be the Grateful Dead. And then there's the first tour that ever really, truly, honestly paid me, which would also be an affiliate of the Grateful Dead and Dead and Company. Um, but there was a tour with the younger band uh, that I worked with uh, way back in 1999. And it consisted of a 15-passenger van with a trailer and an RV Winnebago from the late 70s that almost, we almost died in three times on the West Coast. Um, Because I don't know if you know anything about those things, but they could go up in flames in in a hot minute. And uh, that that almost happened to us a couple times as well as break uh, fallouts. So, um, so my first touring experience, uh, would have been that, um, my first real tour experience would be this one, which is dead and co joining them with 2018. And then, you know, I feel like I played the longest game ever from going from fan to, you know, uh, working alongside the tour. I, I just, it feels like my own little Cinderella story. Um, Certainly it freaked my mom out. I'm not going to lie. When I was doing all that freelancing and I had left a lucrative career in special events. And then I called my mom and I was like, Hey, I'm going on dead tour. I got to tell you, she was like, 
Jesus Christ, Christina, are you ever going to grow up? <laughs> I was like, and I'm getting paid. <laughs> so, so for me, uh, yeah, that's my first tour and um, amazing experience. And thank you, mom, for making that a fun story. <laughs> now, I, I got to push you back, put a little bit here. You never once told us the name of this band. Do you want to share who it was? You deep dive in the internet. You guys can find it. But they were a young band called Day by the River. Um, I, I would say uh, you could like They were Southern Rock. Um, they were extremely talented. Uh, you know, I created some of my very best friends in that world. Um, people who I still love to this day. Um, but yeah, they are no more. It was very fleeting. You know, there was a time in Fish's career where they took a hiatus and then all these like middle bands started like really flourishing and they were one of them. And then, like I said, there was a, a tragic accident and uh, they just didn't want to be a band anymore. And um, it was sad to see them go because at that time in life, they were my soundtrack of my life. And uh, I, I miss I miss many of them and miss their music. But yeah, Day by the River, it would be a deep dive. Man, the Internet didn't even really exist then. We were like on email listservs back then. <laughs> so <laughs> there might be a really hey, crappy website somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> Everybody start somewhere. We appreciate you sharing. Our next question, if you have a favorite moment you can relay to us. Um so, speaking of Day by the River, which also went by DBR, um one of the first tours that they did was with a band called Aquarium Rescue Unit. And that was Colonel Bruce Hampton and the Aquarium Rescue Unit and O'Teal Burbridge, who is the current bass player of Dead & Company, was the bass player then. And Jimmy Herring on guitar, who is the current guitar player of Widespread Panic. Um, they that, that group of people, I mean, Kofi, O'Teal's brother, was in the band at the time. Um, they became friends of ours. In fact, Jimmy played with Day by the River for two tours until they could find a replacement guitarist. Uh, because he just loved us so much, loved the whole organization and loved the band so much that he he sat in to like make things work until they got a, a, a new guitarist. And the new guitarist ended up being one of Jimmy's uh, students, guitar students. So um, there was a lot of connection with them back, you know, in, in the up and coming years. And now I'm on Dead & Company tour. And O'Teal plays in Dead & Company tour. And I hadn't spoken to O'Teal in a really long time. Like we just had not connected. And my job starts so early, as I described earlier, that like the band comes on site, I'm already fully working. By the time I'm packing up and loading up the truck and, and we're, our job is done, band's still on stage and then I'm out of there, you know? So I just hadn't crossed paths with him at all. I didn't reach out to him at all. And then we got, went to Albuquerque in 2018 and there was this tremendous sandstorm it was a total nightmare for everyone like the show was delayed by two hours tents went down the cid tent was like gone and for me i was loving it because i was like oh my god i get to go out in the crowd and like you know my job is like delayed and uh i went into catering 
And then that was the moment. So I had been on a whole tour and I, I walk into catering and O'Teal looks up to me from the table and he's like, wait, what? <laughs> he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, hi, I'm on your tour. <laughs> like We only had like two more shows to go on the tour. Um, but that moment to me was very full circle in my story um, that a friend from the days that I was, you know, being all scrappy is now also in the highlight of his career. Um and I had to, I got to have a big warm hug and a hey how's it going and great to see you again moment and uh, I just really cherish that that minute because it was uh, it definitely was full circle for me. Well, that's that is very cool. O'Teal is widely regarded as one of the great bass players in the industry, certainly a, a legend in the jam band world. Um, and Jimmy Herring, to me, is one of the best guitar players there ever was. I mean, the guy is an absolute genius. If you haven't heard him play, he's a monster. I've sat inside the barricade and watched him on a couple of festivals years ago, and I just I couldn't take my eyes off him. He's riveting. He's unbelievable. He was playing with Allman Brothers at the time, and I was just, I couldn't stop watching him. I no, it was like nobody else was there. Actually, I think O'Teal was playing with him at the time also. And no disrespect to O'Teal because, again, he's a legend. But Jimmy <laughs> Herring, I couldn't take my eyes off him. He was just that good. Um, my favorite question we ask every guest. Now, you work indirectly uh, within the concert industry by way of headcount, so you're not touring as as a traditional roadie. But you see enough that I think you're, you're going to know um, or, or hopefully have a great answer for this. If there is any one thing about the concert touring industry you would like to change or see us doing better, what is it? So... Um, I listened to uh, your last episode with Angie uh, Warner, and it was super uh, inspiring, right? You know, I mean, it's so funny because that NSYNC tour that was her first tour, uh, I actually, uh, it came through Denver when I was with BGPCMP and it was at the Pepsi Center. So I also was there. Um, I wish I would have known somebody like Angie back then because for a female in this industry, uh, especially starting out when I started out, it was harder. It was harder to be taken seriously. It was it was harder to get noticed. It was harder to get um, credit for your ideas. Um, you know, it, it was tough. And listening to how she up and came and that, you know, she had gotten all of her her best opportunities from other women in the industry that I found that really inspiring. And I, I truly hope that as we continue to move forward, there are more people like Christine Dallas, uh, you know, more women in the industry that do continue to give uh, other women some opportunity um, in this industry, you know, because there are a bunch of badasses in charge and they aren't all male you know, and, uh, and I, I would have to say too, um, we, you know, we started this episode with talking about the poet laureate yesterday. And one of the things, um, that I really took away from her poem was be the light. 
And, you know, I mean, not only do we as crew members wear black, (laughs) but often there's just such a grimace between everyone, you know, like, it's kind of funny, because when I'm backstage, I'll be like, hey, how's it going if I pass somebody? And I often feel like whoever I'm passing, whether I know them by name or not, kind of looks at me like, who, me, you know, (laughs) instead of just like taking a moment to address one another, to be kind, to be, to be kind to ourselves because tour life, as you guys talk about episode after episode is quite hard on your body. Um, it is hard on your mind. Um, you know, so be kind to yourself, be kind to others and be the light, you know, and, uh, and, and definitely, um, give a gal a chance because, you know, she might have a pretty big ass skill set. Well, I think that is a fantastic answer. We definitely agree with you and appreciate everything you're saying. I'll admit I was secretly hoping you would say you want more artists to get actively involved and engaged in doing something positive on tour, (laughs) much like Headcount, bringing a message, bringing a cause to their fans, that sort of thing. I think that is extremely important as well. Uh, But certainly you're living that experience already. So perhaps that answer would have been redundant. I don't know. If we talked about any shout outs, (laughs) a little bit. Um, certainly to my team, uh, at headcount, I mean, and, you know, to our partners on the tour that I'm currently on, which would be reverb and CID. I mean, they certainly is how our world rolls. And so those guys, I'm all super appreciative of the work that I've been able to do with them. Um, and I'm super appreciative to the entire dead and co crew for having us on board and, and, you know, our board members, you know, um, I want to say hey to all of them. And then also, uh, you know, String Cheese Incident, their crew has been a place I've called home, whether I worked for them or not. I certainly have been in their backstage area more times than I can count. And uh, they're some of my dearest friends. And just like you, they're trying to figure it out right now without music. So, hey, what's up, game? Well, Christina Rains, you've been fantastic. Headcount.org. If you're not familiar, check them out. Get active. Get engaged. If you're not registered to vote, what the fuck is wrong with you? Register to vote. Get involved in the process. Unless you're not yet 18 years old, in which case, apparently you can sign up now and receive your registration Uh, Upon your 18th birthday, I think that's a great thing to know. I also think it's a great reminder that people can get knocked off of their voter registration, you know, list that they should heading into every election cycle. They should be aware of the situation. They should know the issues. They should know the local and, you know, state level election uh, elections in addition to the national, as you said, that's where a lot of the laws get voted into place and the people who make those laws, certainly. So we appreciate you being with us again. Now is not the time to forget about elections. Now is the time to start thinking about the next one, be it local statewide, as well as the national. Again, we are a year away from campaigning. Right now, a year away from hardcore midterm election campaigning at the presidential election uh, level, as well as, you know, and, and, and how that relates to Senate and the House at a national level. 
plus, of course, governors, other state elected officials, mayoral, mayoral elections, et cetera, et cetera. So again, Christina Reigns, headcount, thank you for being with us. Brother Banks, do you have any shout outs for us today? Oh, shout out to everybody who is out there keeping the faith, staying positive. Let's be decent to one another in this new year. Let's get back to being kind and not being an asshole. Let's be more accepting of other people's views. Even if you don't agree, let's have those conversations. Let's like we do on the back of the tour bus. Let's talk about it. Let's let's understand where people are from. That's what I want to see. There it is. Sister Dallas. Keep washing those hands and wearing that mask. Try to stay in your own zip code till we get through this. Fair enough. Brother Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) I guess they keep shooting straight, but now my shooting straight is on the golf course. Oh. I'm going to get it together on that, you know, but, you know, I just say, you know, Let's take a deep breath and hopefully everything come back to uh, where it once was, maybe even better. But I know we need to get back out here and uh, start touring again. People are inching for music. I know I am. There it is. Well, Brother Hamilton, we are happy to have you back, all jokes aside. Thank you for being with us. I believe you will be with us again next week as well. Uh, And, of course, we hope every week moving forward because we're always here. We will continue to be here. We drop episodes every Tuesday. We appreciate our listeners. We appreciate your comments and questions. We're getting hit up by more and more people wanting to be on the program, tuning in, giving us, you know, their thoughts, letting us know, you know, the way they feel. And we wholeheartedly encourage and embrace that. We are one community. We are one planet. We want to get back to work. And, uh, you know, we appreciate these conversations. Like Bank said, for us, this is like another night on the bus, all together, chopping it up the way we do. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you all of you guys. Christina, once again, thank you for being with us. And uh, on that note, to our listeners, we appreciate you for tuning in. And we, uh, we thank you and good night. Good night.